elegant weapon for a more civilized age. Hey there, special characters. The special adventures of Jumpy Milkshake and Flag Person will return after these messages. Introducing the world's leading covert squad of uniquely talented super professional secret specialists. 1984! But just who are they? There's only one way to find out. By them! 1984 a multi-skilled elite unit of super agents fighting for peace, obliterating evil. Isn't the game? Everybody's gotta have a rad code name like Quickwit. She makes quips and jokes, keeping morale high while kicking in foes. Strike Zone, the baseball themed guy. His pitching machine guns making him cry. Wanna know why? Grenade Balls is tough. He's a leading expert in blowing up stuff. Sneaky pants, you won't hear him stepping. Throwing surprise parties with silent weapons. You like people? Wildlife was one till he got abandoned at the age of one. Left alone as a baby, raised at a zoo. Now he talks to animals like talking to you. 1984, so I know it's hard to remember. All 1980 members. That's why you have to go and collect them all. Tell your parents they can buy them at the mall. Good to go, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to an Elegant Weapon episode 450. My name is Jay. Welcome to the show. It's so cool to be back here hanging out. Kids, we have a very special long overdue guest hanging out with us tonight. He is a comic book writer. He is an actor. Uh, He does lots of things. Uh, He is also a rapper. His name is Sean Jordan, but kids, you may know him better as the word burglar. Sean, thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight. Yo, man, what an honor to be here. And wait, this is 450? I knew we were getting close. Wow. This is like 80 page blockbuster giant. This is like thousand pager. You got to go like, although like that's crazy. No, 50. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks, man. It's awesome to have you here on a, I guess a semi-special occasion. When you get into the hundreds, you kind of start. It was probably after 300 that I stopped paying attention to the midway point and just started barreling ahead because I mean, like with the pandemic and just certain times I've taken off, uh, like I should probably be almost double the amount of episodes for the for the amount of time I've been doing this podcast because this is year number twelve. Yeah, right. I remember so, when it yeah. started. I was I was oh, tuning really? in. To, yeah, I remember, and uh, it, it was very Star Wars heavy. I think when you began, right or. Well, when it began, it was me and a buddy, and yeah. all we did was go down into my basement, smoke dubs, and talk like Star Wars and Star Trek and yeah, shit, and that's yeah, all yeah. the show was. And then it was episode 70 that he moved on to do other things, and that's when I really started going like interview heavy. That's when I started interviewing people of the conventions, and like, and that's when this whole format basically started, right? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, we've been flying ever since, man. That was like 2011, I think. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. I was trying to think when we were talking about doing this. I was just trying to remember, like, how I first met you, or how. I mean, obviously, the scene we know so many people, and you know, I know you from like conventions, but 
I don't know if we met through maybe Anthony Kingdom James. I think or, so. I was about yeah. to say that. I think it was Anthony who introduced us. And yeah. uh, it was probably at a con or something. And, uh, you know, we chatted a couple times. And then I remember the first time I saw you perform was at the uh, Mississauga Comic Expo. Oh, yeah. And it was you and more or less. Yes. And yeah. uh, Cybernetic Spree. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think that was maybe the was that the first MCX? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Jason Lowe was doing that, and that's a nice light. That was at the the library, right? Yeah, it was awesome. But yeah, it was in yeah, that little man. auditorium, yeah. and the show went crazy. Like you guys yeah. had an awesome <laughs> set, and then Cybernetic Street Spree put on this show that I I wasn't expecting. Like I wasn't ready for that at all. They but they brought the house down, man. Oh yeah, they're they're amazing. I. I you know, and they're still going strong. I was just out uh, on the West Coast with them. And uh, yeah, they, the Spree are just, uh, they're a force of nature, a force of, uh, of Energon, you might say. <laughs> For anyone out there who is not familiar with the cybernetic Spree. Or Tronic, um, Cybertronic. Sorry, sorry Cybertronic. Cybertronic Spree. Uh, they are, they're a band, but they're, how do you even describe it? They basically, they, they, I don't want to say cosplayers because they're not really cosplayers. They're a band. They're, they're the a, they're, robots. <laughs> yeah, they, they dress up as the robots, but the costumes are fucking quality. And they're done in a way that they are they're very Transformers the movie. And, you know, they're 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 very smart in their 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 uh their capabilities. You know, they can move, they can play their instruments, they can put down a whole show. And uh they're they're awesome musicians and they they cover like you know, old eighties theme songs. And I know they have some uh, awesome originals too, but yeah, they, they just crushed it, man. Yeah. They're incredible. And definitely check out their videos. If someone's listening is unfamiliar, Cybertronic spree, they did a weird Al cover of dare to be stupid, which, you know, if you know the transformers movie, like the only transformers movie, as far as I'm concerned, (laughs) I'm with you, I'm with you. uh, You know, the one with Unicron and, uh, you know, Wheelie and Cup and yeah. oh man, it was a great movie. Um, but yeah, they cover the Weird Al song and Weird Al gave them their blessing. Uh, oh, did and the he? video is phenomenal. Dare to be stupid. They send up all the there's like uh, parodies of a bunch of Weird Al videos in a lot of Easter eggs. Uh, I've spoiler. I get to play one of the Weird Al's. I think they have like 10 different people playing Weird Al in it. It's awesome and all their and then you'll just go down a rabbit hole of all their awesome videos and yeah there's they're a killer band like i've known them as just artists and musicians pre their days as cybertronic spree and we were doing you know we were kind of coming up together you know we were like early 20s just gigging doing shows together um and and they were you know they were from a few different bands and uh before the cybertronic spree began and it kind of grew we were doing these nerdy nights at fan expo and one year they uh you know they made their kind of big debut and we we called it the nerd noise night and it became became this big after party on on the saturday okay of, yeah of fan expo for a few years and uh and then it's just you know we've you know, we've just been, I've known those guys now since like, wow, like early 2000s and um, they're killer, killer talents and they do a lot of covers, but yeah, they, like you said, they do originals and like the covers they do are just nuts. Like um, 
but yeah, a lot of a lot of love for Cybertronic Spree and uh, shout out more or less as well as a good buddy of mine, rapper and DJ and producer and right on. Yeah, yeah. So, so you you're originally a Halifax boy. I am. I am. I, I was born and raised in Halley and um you both my parents were actually f- originally from Toronto and they moved out to Halifax when they were young and loved it and stayed there. And, but they had, you know, all their family was in Toronto. So as a kid growing up, I used to come to Toronto all the time and spend a lot of time with my cousins from like Mississauga to Scarborough, like all over the, the, the GTA. Uh, And I was just always in love with Toronto. And, you know, as I got older into my like teens and, you know, I just started like coming here more and more. And then next thing, you know, uh, I moved out here and I got a job at Silver Snail on Queen West. And Shut I, up. I didn't yeah. know you worked at the snail. Yeah, man. Yeah. So I worked, I worked at Strange Adventures in Halifax, which you know, I'm I'm really spoiled. I feel like I got to work at two of the greatest yeah, comic shops nuts. in the world. So I, I came up uh at Strange Adventures when I was a kid. Uh well, you know, in high school, uh Cal, the owner, incredible, incredible, just incredible human, but his shops are incredible. Um he hired me, took me on when I was in high school, working at Strange Adventures. And then I worked there for years. And then I moved to Toronto and pretty much on the strength of Strange Adventures reputation, I went in and was talking with George Zotti and George and I hit it off. And then he found out, oh, like you work at Strange Adventures. I know Strange Adventures. I know Cal. That place is, you know, they're the best. And then he, I was like, oh yeah, I'm actually moving here. He's like, well, we're actually hiring bam bam uh i started at the snail in 2002 or three and then i was there for about a dream job (laughs) yeah dude it was the greatest and that's uh you know we'll we'll get into it but that's a lot of the inspiration for my new my new albums you know the spinner rack available now for free download on bandcamp (laughs) nice 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 but um but yeah no i worked (laughs) at the snail and queen west and peter uh basically right up until they moved to dundas square and then i i hung around for a little bit after that but i was there for for you know a decade oh shit Um, and yeah, yeah. If you bought comics at the snail or or uh, action figures, so if you Dude, went and got no your spawn or I your didn't Lord buy of the Rings, a comic off yeah. you at some point, man. <laughs> There's absolutely no way. I didn't know you were with them for so long and up yeah. to that point, uh, kids. Just so you know, uh, Silver Snail is kind of Toronto's midtown comics. It's our it's our old school, uh, you know, just just classic you know comic book shop it used to be on a very trendy street called queen street uh but then moved to young and dundas square which is basically toronto's Times square and uh has now since recently moved back to queen street back on queen i, yep. I haven't been to the new location yet i still got to check it out but uh what a trip man because that is yeah. like everybody's dream uh like can i ask how old are you uh, too old to talk about on, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always say I'm no years old, I, right. you know, keep it vague as, and as, as possible. I understand. But, but yeah, I'm, I'm 40 something now, which is crazy. Right. You yeah. know? Yeah. I'm gonna yeah. Say like, just, just listening to your music, knowing your references, I was going to say, we're definitely in the same age range there yeah. growing up as youngins in the eighties, at yep. least. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I benefited sort of on either side of things too with i had older cousins who really uh 
educated me in a lot of cool stuff. Like I, I read my first Frank Miller daredevils because of my cousin who was reading Frank, like as they came out and uh, you know, again, the spinner rack, which is the new release. I mean, that's inspired by my times. Like my cousin used to take me to this corner store in Scarborough and you know, he'd have some money and I didn't really have any money and he would buy me comics on the spinner rack and like, be like, Oh, you got to get these. And he was really into Marvel. He was like, Oh, don't get, don't get DC. Like you got to get the Marvel stuff. And so like Spider-Man, GI Joe, Daredevil, I got the rocket raccoon mini series by Mignola. I remember back in the day, just like random, you know, it's a spinner. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That was our, our internet back then. It was this gateway into all these new worlds of comics and, um, you know, you could kind of smell it when you walked into a corner store if they if they had mm-hmm. a a spinner rack, right? Or Becker's yeah. or Max or anything. Well, I grew up in yeah. uh, St. Catharines, mm-hmm. and the spinner rack that I bought off of was literally in a store called Five and Dime. <sighs> like I literally went down to the Five and Dime and got comics off the spinner rack. Like how perfect is that shit? <laughs> it's so perfect, so perfect. And was it was where was, was now and then comics? And there was some. What was the famous comic shop around? Wasn't there one in the Tri, in the Tri? What is it called? The Tri City, St. Catharines. I, Catherine's in I don't know because I left St. Catharines when I was like eight, okay. and as much as I had been introduced to comics, it was only through my parents buying me comics for trips to the cottage. So whenever we had to yep. go on a three-hour trip to the cottage, they'd buy me a bunch of comic books and Archie books to shut me up in the back. Perfect. Mad so, Magazine, maybe. Yeah, cracked. it wasn't until... <laughs> I don't think I went to my first comic shop until I moved uh, to Clarkson in Mississauga. And I was probably 12 or 13 when I discovered Altered States Comics. Yeah. And... um yeah, and then it was off to the races at that time, right? Oh, that's the perfect age. Yeah, and 13, I remember yeah, finding a comic shop. I started, it was right, you know, McFarlane was just starting to do his thing with Spider-Man and everything, and I was collecting Spider-Man hardcore just before he had taken over. And I remember once I really wanted the the wedding issue, and my mom was sweet enough to drive me around to like four or five comic shops in the GTA. Uh. And I remember I finally found it at the Comic Den in Cothra. And I don't uh, even know that. Yeah, place. they dude, it was a house. It was literally <laughs> like like they lived in the back, but their whole like front room and living room was set up as a comic shop, like full on. And uh yeah, I remember going in there and finding the wedding issue is like the 12 year old and just being fucking thrilled as shit, man. Wow. Yeah. The yeah. comic den. I'll have to look that. I'm like working in comics retail so long and like being, you know, a fan of collector for so long and going to shops. Like I've, I'm very into the history of, of the direct market and comic shops. And I'm fascinated by, especially those early days. And when I worked at the snail, you know, Ron Van Leeuwen, who, who, who founded it and, and, and built it up, you know, hearing all of his stories of how he started and like these early pioneers of that direct market. Like, I think that's just such an interesting story. So whenever I hear of a new shop or an old shop that I'd never heard of, I'm like, Oh, how did that, you know, who are they? What, like, how did that dude ask Anthony then. about, right? Ask, yeah. Ask Ruckgazer. Cause he knows all about them. Cause it was a couple, it was a uh-huh. dude and his wife and uh, the store is long gone unless it moves somewhere weird, but I know it's not where it was at the time. But, um, did you by chance, hear my conversation with Jim Shooter from Fan Expo Philly 
earlier yet, in the year. But I, I, I need to. I specifically ask him about Dazzler and the fact that I wanted to get into, you know, the whole involvement of Dazzler being basically the spring off board for the direct market and the existence of comic book shops. Yeah. You know, and he tells the story's great. He tells the whole story of basically how he built the framework for the comic shop to exist off of fucking Dazzler, who was supposed to be a vehicle for Bo Derek. Yeah. Like it's the craziest fucking story, man. I uh, yeah, I need to listen to that. I've I've read a few of those uh like the Marvel the Untold story, uh the Sean Howe book, which is really awesome. Um, if anyone's interested in like, you know, a lot of like the history and like that seven the shooter stories, I, I would love to hear more about that. Um, like I know with the snail, it was kind of came out of like you know, Ron's story is amazing and like how these things, but he would just go to pharmacies as you know, before and just go to the spinner racks or oh, just buy the okay. comics off pharmacies. And he was collecting them for himself. And then he wound up, you know, friends would be like, Oh, I'm looking for, can you grab me this? If you see it. So, and he'd hit all the places and then wound up buying comics directly through from these pharmacies. And he was working at a bookstore back of books, which is a famous sci-fi bookstore in Toronto. And he was working in the back of it. And he started selling comic books out of the back of Baca. And then that he got, it got so popular that he, I think he and the owner came to this realization, you know, you got to open up a shop that's just for comics. So then he went and started Silver Snail. Holy shit. And they had a handshake agreement, which I always thought was a really cool, respectable thing. It was like very old school. And they agreed that Ron would never carry sci-fi books because Baca Books was a sci-fi book and Baca would never carry comics. Oh, so when I worked shit. at the Snail, people would come in all the time be like, oh, great, I'm going to grab my Spider-Man, Justice League, whatever, and can I get like, you got the new, whatever, D&D book or new sci-fi book or whatever. It's like, oh, no, we don't, you know, you go to Baca Books if you want to get the the novels and stuff. We we only, we won't carry the novels. And wow. it was because of this like old Fair school play, handshake man. agreement. Yeah. And I just thought that was the coolest thing. There's a lot of amazing stories of that era and the pioneers. And um, It's nice to hear you yeah. tell a positive story from that era because a, a lot of the history that you hear from that era in Toronto from a lot of the guys I've talked to is usually about the con wars. Yeah. And, the, yeah. You know, that's a lengthy history kids. We won't get into at this point, but between wizard world and, uh, and uh, you know, Toronto comic con and what was, what was it called? The uh, paradise um, had. Yeah. Paradise was, um, I, they became Toronto Comic Con or the Paradise Con. I'm, I mean, I'm not. You'd have to talk. To it was, yeah, something like Kevin that. or yeah. someone would. But it was, you know, yeah. Kevin the, told the whole story yeah. a few years ago on the, actually a bunch of years ago at this point. Kevin Boyd uh, on the show, and it's it's just a fascinating story. Uh, you know, I, someone could like make one of those legit like like uh, you know biodramas like we're seeing, like that BlackBerry one that just came out, or like Air. You could make a really cool legitimate movie about the Toronto Comic-Con Wars because oh, it's 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 just it's an awesome awesome story. Um what I want to 
you know, before we get two away, we can talk about comic books forever. Yeah, no, I love well, comics history. It's yeah, it's but I want I want to hear a little bit about the music history. Mm-hmm. So so how does this fold in? Were you always a mu- musical kid with a big vocabulary? <laughs> like like were you? But seriously, were you like always a musical kid? Like I uh, I wasn't really like musical traditionally, but I loved words and I loved rhyming and I loved, you know, talking (laughs) and I loved rap. Like from when I first heard rap, you know, early eighties, whenever would have first heard, I mean, I don't even know where, like, I know where. I know, I know that probably two of them. I I say this to people all the time when they're yeah. like, I can say, I know two of the biggest songs that stick out to you when you were in maybe between grades three or two and five. And that's Paul Revere. Sure. Yeah. And, and it's tricky. It's tricky. Yeah, definitely. Like it's tricky. I mean, run DMC, like fresh Prince, public enemy, like all that stuff that was coming. It's tricky. Yeah. And I remember like, even like on the playground, like the Ninja Turtles, the rap song on the Ninja Turtles movie, like when every kid was rapping to that, like I just like yeah. rhyming was so like I was like, wow, are they doing this? Like, and I just could hear the rhymes. Like, I would hear a word and like think of like what they could rhyme it with before I heard them rhyme. You know, so if they'd say something, I'm what? like, I could I could start to like think about like, okay, you could rhyme it with this, you could rhyme it with that. Like, what's he gonna rhyme it with next? And oh, I would just cool. like think about like the words and the rhymes and then going hand in hand with the comic books. Like, I think like, you know, on spinner rack, I say in the, on the title song, like, you know, I taught myself to read from, from those comics that I found on the spinner rack. And that's, you know, I would, I remember reading Spider-Man annuals and all these things over and over again. And like, I'm, you know, my vocabulary definitely expanded from reading comics and uh, that, you know, coupled with my love of rap and just and words and and wordplay and storytelling, it just all kind of fused together. So, you know, comics and rap have kind of always been, you know, these things that I've been super passionate about and always loved. But I never really thought like, oh, I'm just gonna, you know, this is like career path or this is what I'm. Sure. It's just like stuff I've always done. I always like would doodle and draw my own comics in the back of French class and write my own rhymes and you know freestyle with my buddies at lunchtime and stuff. And you know, I just never stopped doing it. <laughs> so here we are, and uh, and I'm loving both and. So when I bump into friends, they're like, you still into comic books? You still in the rap? I'm like, yeah, of course. Like, why would I stop? And this is what always frustrates me when like people are like, why, you know, why do you still like them? Like, why would I stop doing anything that I love? It's like playing hockey or something. It's like, just because you don't make the NHL, you know, you can still play hockey. You can still like go to, you know, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's just so like, you don't. I don't know. I just, I just love this stuff. And I feel like this era right now for both rap and comics is like, excites me more than ever, you know? Well, that tells me you were smart and, you know, you played your, your game well in the way that, you know, there are ways that a lot of people, you know, easily fall out of not doing what they love to do. And, you know, whether it's just bad life choices or, you know, you know, mistakes or bad decisions, you know, it, it, it's easier than you'd think to fall out of it. And, you know, I see you grind, man. You're out there. You're doing shows. You're all over the place. Dude, you have 10 studio albums. That's 
fucking nuts. (laughs) It is kind of crazy. To come up, dude, (laughs) to come up with the amount of rhymes to fill 10 albums worth. Plus, what is it? You got, I think, three, sorry, you got two EPs and you have three vinyl singles. Now, to come up with enough words that rhyme, like I would struggle to write you a 10 sentence fucking poem that rhyme <laughs> and you've had you've figured out enough words that make sense and what works for you to 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 fill up that much content like that's that's insane but what i'm really curious about is is the journey because obviously you know 10 albums you've probably gotten a lot better than you were when you started what I is that so. ex- what's that experience <laughs> like man like well, I mean, I'm still trying to get better, right? With every always, album. I'm sure and that's right. that's. I mean, and I'm st- it's like still hungry, and it's. I feel like it's a game of Tetris, like just with the rhymes too. Like when I'm building stuff, and it's like when stuff comes together, it feels so good, and then sometimes it's like when it doesn't work, it's like oh, I gotta just get get back on the horse, get back again. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely like early days. You know, I have tapes of me rhyming in like grade five or grade six, like just messing oh, around. Like, again, my cousin Joe, who got me into comic books in the first place, he was, I would argue, like a musical genius, musical prodigy, really. He was just like a naturally gifted. He could hear anything and just play it on the piano or guitar. Like, he was just like one of these guys who just like had this, and he still does have, he teaches music now and he's just like brilliant. And um, he, you know, he would, he was into more like rock and stuff, but he knew I loved rap. So he would like start putting together little rap beats on a four track and like getting me to like rhyme on them and record me. So I have these early tapes of me and, you know, I li- I actually haven't listened in a long time. I, I don't want oh, to, too but cool that you, you know, still have them. They're man. like, yeah. So I've got, you know, I got some tapes behind me right here. Some of them right here. That's um, rad on tapes, cassette tapes. <laughs> so, yeah. And I just always just kept doing it. And it's always been kind of like my friends who kind of kept encouraging me to do it. And, uh, and just kind of my, I don't know, like it's fuel. It's like comics working at the comic shop being fueled, like surrounded by all this creativity. I mean, you get it. You're around comics all the time. You're around artists. You're, you know, at the conventions everywhere and you're talking with people. Like I would just find all this other stuff, just like this amazing inspiration firing fuel and you know if i go to a comic-con i just get like so charged up that i've like come home right? and the next day i'm like i i gotta like create like totally. i gotta start making stuff songs comics and i just need to like keep putting more and stuff out and the the longer you do it is it Will Eisner or someone who had the famous quote, like, you know, you do like, everyone's got like 10,000 bad drawings in them. But then once you, you get those 10,000 bad drawings out, then it's just like, it all like just gets, it just keeps yeah. coming and it's better and better and better. Right. And you see guys yeah. like for me to junior or somebody who's still like just sharp and crazy and cranking out amazing stuff. And, um, I feel like with, I'm at a point now where I've been doing it long enough that I'm like, okay, like I feel like my process is faster I can, you know, I can weed out the crap faster as well. Like, you know, it's editing is a big part of it. I know I'm kind of all over the map with this answer, but I'm not just, I should edit my answer, but it's like, yeah. Yeah. Editing, uh, editing is a, a tool and a skill that, you know, can be utilized for any art trade craft or whatever the hell you want to say that you're doing. And, and, you know, you're absolutely right with 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 experience 
comes the ability to do that, which frees you up to do other things. Like I'm sure the easier a song comes to you, the quicker you can get that track laid down, the longer you can spend making a crazy ass music video. <laughs> right? Like Yeah, that's the hope. Yeah. Yeah. So time management, I get you for sure, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. And like um sharing the workload is a big thing too. Like I learned early on, like I used to try and make my own beats and then I would meet people and friends who would just make beats that were so much better than me. And they were focused solely on making the beats. Some people can make beats and, and make raps too and do all this stuff. But I was like, you know, early into like even drawing, like I love to draw, but I would work with artists who are just infinitely better illustrators than me. So I was like, well, I'll just focus on the writing and just make my writing and dialogue and everything like as tight as I can make it. And, and, you know, with, with rap, that's it. It's like, I just really want to focus on my rhyme writing and my storytelling and working with the beats and working with on that stuff, then spending all this time making beats that I think are awesome when I can work with people who make awesome beats, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's, it's that delegation and, um, you know, in a pinch, I could make my own beats, draw my own album art, and record myself. But no, I'd rather go work with a professional mixing engineer and record the album so it sounds <laughs> good quality. Right. Get yeah. like an incredible artist, you know, like Calman or Dave Howlett or anybody to do these album covers. And yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's it's that uh, figuring out what to delegate, and then then you can focus on refining your craft and making that as tight as possible right like right. alan moore if he tried to keep drawing or grant morrison or anything we wouldn't have gotten i'm sure like their storytelling would have you know well sucked. i i also <laughs> appreciate that you have concentrated on your craft in your way in your style because you know it's it's been an obvious evolution of doing what you do because hip-hop changes a lot and it has changed a lot especially in the last 10 15 years but you've mm -hmm. kept to what you're doing and you haven't tried to ride any trends or fucking you know jump on any bandwagons and it's awesome because you're still just straight up fucking old school fucking hip-hop with fucking fat beats and words that I can hear and understand <laughs> and, you know, that are interesting and that aren't all just talking about fucking bullshit that, you know, is, a, is kind of a waste of time. And it's, it's, it's great. And I appreciate it very, very much. Well, thank you, man. You know? I appreciate that. And that's, that's the worst thing I think you can do as an artist is make something that is going to waste somebody's time because there is so much out there and i'm listening to new albums every week and i'm listening reading new comics every week and again going back to my days working at a comic shop when hundreds of new comics are coming out every well, pretty much every month like every week i'd be stocking like 30 to 50 new comics and graphic novels right and the yeah. snail we'd get everything there and when i saw you see everything coming out week after week after week after week you just you know, when something really cuts through the noise, that just makes it so much stronger, right? And you think of just like all the superhero comics or indie comics or whatever it is. And it's like, I've seen this before. I've seen this, like I've read this before. This is like the same thing. Oh, what is this? I've never seen this before. This is, whoa, this is fascinating. This is not wasting my time. This is like, and now when we are inundated with 
everything from our streaming services and comics and music and everything at once. You can just get everything you want when you find those special things like that to me is like, and I guess like for me, like that's my, the best I can do is just make stuff that really excites me and things that I've never heard done before. Um, and I'm just like, I'm going to write a song about writing a letter to a comic book editor and giving him all the reasons why I think I can make a better comic book than him. Right. So that's right. like on the new right. album letter to the editor. That's what it's about. And I'm playing a character writing this letter to the to the editor, you know, in a classic Marvel style and like an old letters page you might read. And like the editor's like, oh, like you know they're humoring this guy writing the letter but they're just like look kid you don't know what you're talking about but we'll just let you like offer your your opinions and um it's kind of a commentary on you know it's both fan entitlement but also like the greed of the the companies when they take a character that's beloved and turn them into something else and uh just to try and sell a few more issues which we've all seen happen a million right. times well we, you can anyways i never you. heard a rap song about that so <laughs> well also when <laughs> you listen to your one. music you can tell that you're genuine about it which is great because it's a it's a passion even listening to you talk now i'm appreciating the fact that it seems like you've never you know gotten tired of anything that you love to do that nothing's ever really lost its luster i mean i'm sure there's been days where you're like i don't feel like doing this or that but you know you've seemed to be you know pretty consistent in your in your passion in your dream chasing <laughs> which i appreciate very much you know like 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 i'm trying to make up time like mike i when i was a kid and i was in high school all i wanted to do was make movies all i wanted to do was be a filmmaker and an editor that's all i cared about and i made a lot of those mistakes that that i mentioned earlier and you know my life went in a direction that wasn't a very responsible one it was it was one fuck of a party but you know i i i went completely in the in the wrong direction flat out and it took me you know quite a few years to straighten my life out and i was you know fortunately able to do so um and eventually found a career that you know enabled me to rebuild you know myself and have a good life which eventually got me to the point where I was able to be like, okay, you know what? You know, a few of those dreams that uh, I missed out on, they're not necessarily impossible. And it was honestly, as cheesy as it is to say on a nerd podcast, it was sitting there listening to Kevin Smith constantly say over and over again that everyone should have a podcast. And this was back in like 2009, 2010, right? And I just I heard him say it enough that I like one day I was like, yeah, why the fuck not? Could I like, you know, and I, you know, it led to so much crazy shit just because me and my buddy went down in the basement, lit a joint and hit record. It has led to the most insane adventures I've ever I, I wouldn't even consider it of being able to have over the past 10 years. And, and that's phenomenal, man. It's, that's your. It's so incredible listening, and I know this about you. Like this yeah, is so cool. it's 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 an awesome thing. So in a way, I've I always feel like I'm playing a bit of catch up, which is a bit of a fire under your ass at the same time. But but I have to know and have to remember that at this age, me doing this and having already built a you know a particular life is that I have to do this for the love of it. 
you know, I'm, I, you know, I'm good. Like I have a good job, a good career, you know, it, it affords me a good life. I don't need to do any of this other stuff to, to survive. Like a lot of professional artists do and musicians do and freelance artists do. And it's, you know, you know, I appreciate it. I've talked to a million of them for, you know, over the years and it's a tough fucking life. And, you know, this is all, you know, fun times for me. So as long as I remember that, for some, that makes it like almost easier to work harder. You know, it takes the pressure off. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Well, so that's I'm why able you're to... so good at this too. Oh, because I don't give a do fuck. Because well, I just don't care. <laughs> it's so fascinating. Anytime we've spoken or met, you know, bumped into each other at the cons or wherever, and it's like, you know, your energy and everything and where who you're talking to and all these things. And again, it's a testament. Four, 450 episodes is no, especially like when every, there's so many podcasts start and barely get like three episodes out, you know? I have yeah. a podcast I've been doing, you know, I think I've got like 40 episodes in like, eight years or something you know but i'll do yeah. them it's more like i'll do them when i in between things and like sure. i want to do and i love to do you know i love to do it and then and it's with with music and stuff i have to kind of pick and choose what time you know the music takes precedence so it's like i don't right. something that's like taking away from from that um but no it's it's just it's absolutely incredible and good for you for, oh, for i that. appreciate those words, we all make man. mistakes yeah. man and they help you 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 know they just help you get stronger and better right it's you know yeah you know i almost you know i appreciate it cuz you know i had a lot of good life lessons and uh those were i was able to take and use to know that like like you know how hard i know how hard i can work now at something you know, whatever it is, if I give a shit enough, I can, I know how much effort I'm capable of putting in, which is a, a motivating thing. I didn't have that as a kid. I didn't have that when I was younger. I didn't have that self-confidence or that self-appreciation or that, you know, self-belief. And, you know, having it now is great because it's at an awesome time when all the things I love have like taken over the world. Yeah. Right. And I'm now I'm able to like travel around and do all these comic cons and all because I hit record. It's fucking awesome. Isn't it great? (laughs) I mean, I think that too, you know, you like I haven't, I'm still making songs about the same stuff that I've always, it's always just been stuff that I love. And, you know, to me, like I'm a huge, as much as I'm a nerd about comics, I'm a nerd about hip hop, like, and keeping it real is such a major thing. So I always knew like I couldn't feel genuine about any rap music that i was putting out into the world if it wasn't real like if it wasn't who i am so that's why you know i don't want to have like a fake accent or i don't want to rap about things i don't know about or i don't want to like you know just front or fake or like i'm like no i'm gonna rap about you know why the inhumanoids cartoon terrified me as a child and it was like (laughs) melted my brain and i've carried it with me my whole life you know blaming humanoids Uh, like that's like and to me that's that's just re and luck like you say we're living in a time where this stuff has like you know, I always say it like Thanos is a household name. I mean, what more? Yeah, that's fucked you up, know, right? You know, yeah. Ego the Living Planet is a ho- household name, right? Yeah. Like these like obscure, weird comic characters that were like so, you know, my best friend for life, uh, Alex Kennedy and I, we met because when I was in junior high, I had an Infinity Gauntlet t-shirt on and no one had ever ever talked to me about this shirt and alex came up to me 
and one day at school and started talking to me about Infinity Gauntlet. And he was like kind of dissing it. And we always joke about this now. He was like, oh, that was just like Marvel trying to make a money grab or whatever. But it was like we were kids talking about. And I'm like, wait, I oh, I don't care if you don't like Infinity Gauntlet. You actually know what Infinity Gauntlet is. And then it turned out we were right. both like love comics and best right. of friends. So. We're talking about some of the cool, fun, awesome stuff we do because our lives are dope and we do dope shit. <laughs> I, I I would agree. <laughs> Talk to me about working with fucking Mocha Only, man. Oh, yo. I'm glad you picked up on that. That was a awesome moment for me because uh, Mocha Only, of course, anyone who knows rap in Canada especially, I would argue one of the greatest canadian rappers of all time right easy, and easy. still so prolific cranking out multiple projects every year there's someone who can make beats and rap and do them both exceedingly well uh and just such a dope mc i had met him a few times over the years and during the pandemic as i was putting that that's on the album bergonomic and that album was like you know, it was delayed a bit because of the pandemic, but it also kept making me like I kept making it better and better and better. I'm really I'm really proud of that album. And I got to work with Buck 65 and Joe Run Bombay on that, who are two other Canadian rap legends to me. And then I was like, man, you know who like if I could get a trifecta of like three hip hop Canadians who I would love to have on one album, like for me, just like you know, regardless of whatever anyone else thinks, I'm like me having these three guys on one album would be like, oh wow. And Mocha only was the third guy. So I thought of this, I was like, but how am I gonna get him on the album? So I thought of this concept, uh, and it's called wanna be on my posse cut. And anyone who's familiar with rap is probably familiar with the term posse cut, which is basically when you have a bunch of rappers on one song, like a Wu-Tang song, or, you know, when sure. a bunch of guys are on a track, it's like, here, it's, this is a posse cut. And they're fun to do. It's it's a great way to get like a whole bunch of different rap styles on one beat. And and people do them all the time. And, and I had never heard someone do a, a posse cut about trying to make a posse cut so the whole concept of the song was okay i'm gonna build this posse cut and i'm gonna have to call all these different rappers but each of us are gonna have to have a different conversation one of them will be a close friend who i haven't seen in a while because pandemic or whatever and it's like yo you want to get on my posse cut and then our back and forth on the song is about me and him rapping that's my buddy touch then my buddy jesse calls up on call waiting and he's like interrupting and somehow has just heard that i'm making this posse cut even though i just started rapping about it and he wants to get on and then our interaction is about that then i'm rapping with the producer who made the beat tim and then i was like well there's got to be like one guy who like doesn't want to be on the song who i'm like trying to convince to be on the song but they don't want to be on the song but and that's what we're rapping about and and it's like you got to be like able to and like this was what i was thinking like for Moke only i wanted him to be that guy because he's like obviously a well-known name he's a i'm a huge fan of his so i could just like rap about like hey man like let me pitch you this idea for this song i have and here's why you should be on the song and he's like nah who are you again i've never heard of you but i'm like we did a show together in like bayfield ontario don't you remember that <laughs> no nah, i don't know i'm like i know so-and-so you guys are best friends he'll vouch for me and anyway so yada 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 
I had this concept for the song, which I thought was pretty fun. I reached out to Mocha from like an old connection I had with him from doing shows together years ago. And honestly, I was like, I don't even know if he remember who I am or whatever. And he loved the concept and we hopped on the phone and started talking about how it would work. And then we kind of went back and forth and I recorded some parts. He recorded his parts We and, and then we tweaked it and then, yeah, it, it it came together really awesome, beautifully. Man. Like I love how that song turned out, and he's hilarious on it. And just like he's basically just rapping a whole bunch of excuses why he doesn't want to do a mm-hmm. rap song with me, but he's trying to be polite about it. <laughs> he's like, but yeah. also like, yeah, and um, yeah. So for me, again, as a rap nerd, uh. It's it was a huge thing, and for other rap nerds, I mean, Mocha only. In case you don't know, one of his many, uh, you know, I guess you know, achievements is he he's one of the only Canadians I think to ever work with MF Doom. Who uh, rest in peace to MF Doom, of course. But uh, Mocha actually rapped with with MF Doom on a track, which is a huge huge thing. And I'm a huge MF Doom fan as well, so that's uh, that's pretty cool. But uh, yeah, right. yeah. Okay, one one more. Tell me about Cool Keith. Oh, dude, you're 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 Come just on. really. I mean, this I'm sorry. My, this I'm is my no, wheelhouse. Yeah, dude, I'm in no way on any level of a hip hop head that I know you exist in this universe as. But I am a huge fan, and I, yeah, I'm curious, man. Yeah, Cool Keith is the. I mean, Cool Keith. Top, <laughs> easily a top five rapper, me for for life. That team up came together through my buddy mega ran who is another amazing rapper of people listening check out mega ran he's just doing incredible things uh he's from philly based in arizona now and mega ran i've known each other since like 2008 or something and we're both uh like there's a subgenre of hip hop called nerdcore, which is definitely like had taken like, you know, it's had its rise, you know, like we're talking yeah. about in this in this era. And like Mega Ran and I are very much rooted in like old school hip hop. And nerdcore has kind of been this happy thing that's happened on the side where right. it's been like, oh, you're making all this nerdy music. Well, this is nerdcore. And I'm happy to be put into the nerdcore music scene, but I'm also very much like firmly planted in like the underground rap scene. So I right. take the rap very seriously and I take the nerdy stuff seriously. And when it's just like, Oh, this is nerdcore. It's like, well, totally, but don't just, you know, it's good music too. I hope people would say. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Anyways, Mega Ran is one of the best doing it in, in either of those scenes. And he's an old friend and we would always just talk about, you know, rap we love and stuff like that. And he knew that Cool Keith was one of my favorite rappers. And he, you know, because he travels in these crazy circles, he wound up being in a situation where he could do a song with Cool Keith and graciously was like, well, yeah, we're burglars, a huge Cool Keith fan. Like, let's just make this happen. And so really, I mean, I owe infinite thanks to, to Mega Ran for, for making that happen. And, um, and I couldn't believe it when he was like, yo, you're, you're not gonna believe this Cool Keith. We're going to do this track. And I'd met Cool Keith once or twice. And I met him pre doing that song and post doing that song. 
And he seemed to vaguely remember me, but also I think he was just like super polite, but he was like, we're a burglar, we're a burglar. Yeah. It was like, like, dude, I, you probably have, you, there's no reason he would ever know me or remember me. But, uh, I like to think maybe in the back of my mind that like when Megan Rand was like, okay, we're a burglar is going to do on this song too. It's like, okay. Yeah. It's like, but, um, yeah, it was great. And, uh, I mean, he's a legend. Wow. Cool. Keith, if people don't know, like what, a what a pioneer, uh, still right. to this day, putting out crazy stuff. He had an album this year called Serpent, which is him in like, you know, top level form. Cause he puts out albums that people don't even hear about. Like the guy's putting out five or six albums a year what? and he could just get in the studio and record over a bunch of beats and just, you know, Dr. Octagon, of course, and Ultra Magnetic MCs are like, those things are like the really, these like, wow, like these legendary albums that he worked on. But then everything else, he's done since like his outputs bananas and it's just uh, he's simultaneously funny and cool and you know out there but like super like everything he says is like yo that's actually there's like a lot of truth to that like he's just like he embodies right. this like emceeing um he's he's i the guy's gotta be next level iq like i i don't yeah. when you hear the way he puts things together and assembles his thoughts and chooses words to say on a beat. Um, anyway, see, I'm getting nerdy. Like I talked to this. No, like, you know, I love to hear it, man. Talk no, about an I, artist and like, you know, I talk appreciate about comics it. and be like, yeah, you know, this is why, you know, Jim Lee's style with the, the cross hatching was very interesting. And the dude, lines, dude, the I spent, blah, blah, I spent, blah, you know, <laughs> I spent nine and a half hours in a car driving home from Philly, torturing Sean Daly by explaining the beautiful nuances of the smashing pumpkins and, and, and how Billy Corgan's brain really works. <laughs> <laughs> that poor bastard. Right? Hey, look, I'm a but, smashing pumpkins fan. Adore yeah. was like low key, like a sleeper hit album for me. I loved Adore. I mean, all the earlier yeah. stuff too, but well, yeah, it was sorry. just a mad, like a mad, like just a lot of people don't realize the pumpkins, you know, you look at the hits and the singles, but they don't, those are only, like like a lot of music, they're only a small portion of the the excessive variety in a Smashing Pumpkins album. You know mm. what I mean? And you know, there's tracks on on those albums with like eleven guitar tracks, like just insane shit. You know, and it's 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 nuts. And one thing I was gonna say though that I really have always appreciated about hip hop is the immediacy of it. Is that you know. Mm you can like a lot of rappers will like mixtapes can just drop singles can just drop remixes can just drop out of nowhere literally on the street in the middle of the night you know <laughs> like you don't you don't get that really in other genres of music you know only bootlegs yeah. sure you'll get recordings of concerts and bands of whatever but no like just just because somebody said something that pissed somebody else off all of a sudden there's a new track that's 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 dropped like like instantly or like the next morning there's a response you know i absolutely fucking love that aspect of that fucking of the genre of hip-hop you know it's great and, and yeah. yeah absolutely and that's something you know I, yeah i mean yeah i'm just thinking of someone with a guitar like what an equivalent would be but you're totally right it's just somebody getting on i mean i guess like a bob dylan would just sort of riff on original but he wasn't just dropping stuff 
you know, a night. I don't know. I don't know, Bob. No, it's a fast. There's no, it's, <laughs> yeah. there's, you know, there's, there is, there's a, there's a true immediacy of it. Like, like right down to battle rap. You know what yeah. I mean? There's no other genre of music where two guys can just meet on the corner and, and duke it out in a form of music, unless they're going to do like a fucking doo-wop off or like a saxophone off in an alley somewhere where yeah. what are you going to do? You got your voices. That's the instrument that you always carry with you yeah. and your, your brain and your voice. And you know, you drop that shit. And that's one thing I fucking love about fucking hip hop, you know? Yeah. And I like, I always loved stylized rap, you know, and that's what we had in the nineties. Like, and, and, you know, guys trying to be individuals and having their own sounds and, you know, you uh, like, what was I listening to the other day? Uh, I was listening to scenario tribe, right? One of the best. Yeah. Buster rhymes comes on in there. It makes half that song. If not more makes zero fucking sense. (laughs) Like there's some rhymes in that fucking song that are just bibbly bop boop boop. And that's like, there's just words thrown together because they rhyme. I'm convinced they mean fucking nothing. A lot of the rhymes in that song, but they are so beautiful to listen to. Like there's something about just the way that they're delivered. Like, you know, there's something about doo-doo to hear the word doo-doo said like doo-doo is like that one little twist on it. You know, it's, it's just like candy for the ear. That's why I love scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, well, that's it, right? You don't know why a couple of words, like a couplet can sound so perfect. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, And it's like, I I hate when people like fight over like, like, like the greatest rappers and this and that, because everybody's going to have their favorite rapper. Like they have a favorite band just by the sound of their voice, their cadence, you know, not necessarily how skilled they are at putting rhymes together. You know what I mean? Like, like you can say Eminem. Yeah, probably, you know, the way he can make words rhyme is like, like, you know, very few can others can, but very few can. It's always fun to hear when he gets excited about, you know, other rap songs that he's just figured out or whatever. Um, but where was I going with that? Um, yeah, but then there's other rappers who are very simple and smooth, yet you you just love the sound of their voice. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. my favorite MC of all time is Drez. Yeah. And well, yeah, Black Sheep's incredible. Purely, it's not that he's the greatest rapper of all time or his rhymes are like technically genius. But man, it, his voice is so smooth and it's just got that fucking, that certain something to it that just makes my ears happy. And yeah, that's, that's and all it takes, right? There's a group that like, if not for like hardcore hip hop fans, like people forget about Black Sheep. But there was definitely a moment in time where though like there was like nothing like Black Sheep was like the group, you know. Um, oh yeah. man, that 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 one time there, you know, it was Tribe, it was uh, Black Sheep, you know, fucking even Naughty by Nature was just starting yeah. to do their thing. That was that was like a great time, man. I'll never yeah. forget it. There was so much beautiful stuff going on, and this yeah, is like, man. this is like, this is early nineties shit. Like yeah, ninety one to ninety five is a crazy pocket. Like if you look yeah. at the output of ninety one to ninety five and how many insanely great albums came out in that pocket of time. Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And it, the variety. We had stuff yeah. like Arrested Development. You know what I mean? I fucking loved Arrested Development, you know? Yeah. You know, and a lot of that fucking those African sounds. It was a lot of like the the Africa hip hop 
you know, during that time, you know, and it was so colorful and happy. And it was just MCs trying to talk about how they were the best MC. It wasn't, you notice like back then, nobody was putting other MCs down. It was how, how well could you put yourself up? Yeah. That was the goal back then. And that's when it was beautiful. That's when it was just like, here's why I'm the best, not why you're the worst. You know, and it wasn't about crushing anybody. It was just about how, you know, I'm the fucking man. And, you know, I miss that aspect of it. Yeah. It was like the most creative, the most creative way to say how awesome you are. And that's super fun. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. 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 All right. So we got the spinner rack. Yeah. And. Fucking 1980 force. (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit, man. Did you jump out the box for this one or what? (laughs) Right? So not only is the track fucking awesome, super good time fun, but you made a video, dude. (laughs) And you, 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 you took it to like a radical bodacious place. (laughs) <laughs> and i love it it's amazing uh looks like a lot of work and help went into that video man tell me about it yeah thank you yeah 1984 it's the toy line i always wanted to have um yeah i mean the idea was you know make like satirize these tv commercials uh from during saturday mornings like i remember as a kid like you see like some like super pumped up maniac screaming at the (laughs) tv and yelling at kids and like yelling at anyone who would listen like go buy these toys (laughs) so and you know i love this stuff and i was like well like it would be so fun to make this like i had this idea like the these comics I do and, and 1984 grew out of that is like, you know, like a GI Joe team. But the, I, the joke is like, yes, it's like a 1980s thing, but it, there's also 1980 characters and you have to collect them all, which is a play at that. Like, Dude, Oh, you just so got many. the last 10 guys. Now it's like star Wars figures or, G, you know, GI Joe's there's uh... a lot of GI Joe's. There's a lot of star Wars figures out there. Marvel legends, like you name it. There's like, you got to And like, if you get, into it and again working at the snail when we get a new wave of spawn or lord of the rings or star wars people would come in and no joke buy like one of everything and i'd be ringing up these dudes i'm like how do you have 500 dollars <laughs> all this stuff right now dude and it's and i like i love it i'm like yeah like so 1984 came from all that that collector mentality but also like the awesomeness and like when i would see these ads as a kid i'd get as excited about the commercials as i would about the cartoon i was just watching that told me to like hang on you know don't come back you know after these messages and i'd stay there for the messages and then the messages are like screaming at me to buy like micro machines or transformers or ninja turtles or whatever (laughs) and uh go now go available Um, now yeah (laughs) Uh, so I was to me like that was already a funny place to begin with. So then, like you know, I wrote. It started with writing the song, and I made the song with my buddy Peter. We make tons of song, like done tons of stuff in the past. Um, we did a song about Narc, the Nintendo game, and and, um, and this one, I was like, look, I want it to be like sound like it's like this like '80s cartoon commercial toy line thing, and he nailed it. So Peter made the beat. Uh, anyone 
like go look up his album daft science is just a quick side note where he did a mashup of daft punk and beastie boys which is amazing yeah. uh daft science highly highly recommend it um so he made the beat and we had the song and i played it for my buddy sandy who was just incredible uh comedian writer actor he's done second city he's done like lots of movies harold and kumar he was like in this tv show life with boys he's done tons and tons of stuff and he's also a huge gi joe fan and he got it instantly he like knew he was like i i think i know like what we can do and so we we worked on this video treatment and um you know i don't want to spoil anything i hope anyone listening go watch it 1984 it's on uh it's on youtube and uh the uh the whole idea was make an 80s toy commercial but you know have a twist we need a bit of a storyline to it and like see again seeing those ads as a kid and you see these other kids in the commercial playing with all the toys and they've got the new boba fett ship and they've got whatever the new megatron and they've got all this like man these kids are living like the dream life like i just wanted to be a kid in those commercials and you know i didn't understand how it worked but like they always had the newest toys how does that kid have like 20 gi joes i've never seen before (laughs) nice yeah right (laughs) you know Yeah, yeah so um so it was really like a send up of all of that stuff and uh, of course acknowledging the insanity of marketing to kids and and all of that stuff uh, i mean clearly it worked cuz i'm talking about it as a quote unquote oh, dude, they, I'm they embedded that shit in our brains man are you kidding they brainwashed the shit out of us the yeah. 80s was the wild west for that right like they yeah. didn't know they did like those cartoons i swear some of those cartoons are way more violent than anything the kids see today like you know dude um, i will never forget the one of the biggest cartoon moments for me in the 80s and i'm getting the impression gi joe was your main jam I love G.I. Joe. Yeah. Okay. It has withstood the test of time for me, definitely. Yeah. I remember it was the weekend. I think it was a Saturday. It was like the afternoon. And they were playing on TV for the first time, the G.I. Joe movie. And I sat down and my parents and a lot of other kids' parents sat down to watch it with them because there were a couple celebrity voices. Because who was it? General Hawk was... uh, Uh, Don Johnson was... uh, Don Johnson. Lieutenant Falcon. Yeah, Yeah. Falcon. (laughs) And, you know, and that was like right at the peak of Miami Vice. And he was huge. And all the fucking moms were all about him. So we all sat down to watch this shit. And when fucking Serpentor put that fucking snake through Duke's chest. And we saw fucking blood on a fucking Saturday morning cartoon. Holy shit. Every kid in the 80s like collectively gasped at that moment. I was like, <gasps> blood! And it was insane. I'll never fucking forget that moment, yeah. man. You know, that's how clean it was until that moment. Like that one little spurt of blood was just the craziest shit. Compare that yeah. to now, man. That was a different time. It was a different time. Yeah. 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 But I gotta it's- tell you, I regret not writing down a couple of my favorites of those fucking action figures from the video 
that oh, you from nineteen eighty four. Yeah, from the song from nineteen eighty four. Because there were one or two. No, I think there was like two or three that I regret not writing down because they were just the most brilliant things I've heard in the fucking world, man. <laughs> like seriously, you name off so fucking many. Like kids, you got to check out the song, watch the video because. It's insane. Um, Strike give your zone, kudos. The baseball themed guy. Right. The <laughs> child kick. What's a kid doing there? She joined the team when someone had an affair. <laughs> so good, man. It's so good. Uh, give kudos to your team because it looks like a lot of effort went into that project. Absolutely. Man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got to shout out Ozzy who made the action figures, the custom. He customized those GI Joes, you know, we were talking about it. Like I met Ozzy years ago at a, actually at a GI Joe convention and he presented me with a custom GI Joe figure he made of me. I have a song called rap Viper, which is all it's about a great song, by the way. Thanks man. Yeah. yeah it's an awesome and he's song. about a Cobra trooper who grew up on Cobra Island. His parents yeah. worked for Cobra and he grew up to be a rapper. I mean, he's basically me if I grew up on Cobra Island <laughs> 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 and he knew all the older Cobra guys and he's rapping about them. And it was, again, that was, so much fun to make and we did a super fun video for that ozzy i met because he made me a rap viper action figure i was like dude this is incredible and he's like just the awesomest guy and we really got along and we stayed in touch over the years and when i had the idea for 1984 and i was talking with sandy about doing the commercial and i was like oh it'd be so great if we could get you know original action figures of these little guys like you know if i had an action figure of chop side you know the the chef or (laughs) you know or whatever um (laughs) you know close shave you know so mean with the clippers cleaning the team so they don't look like hipsters because you need a barber right they need a it's just a unit you know it's a professional unit they need to be have sharp cuts um so i I was like man i'm gonna reach out to ozzy and see if he could make a custom figure or two it'd be great to have like you know one or two figures that we can like reuse over and over in the shots played the song for ozzy talked him about the idea he was like I was like, would you be into making like a figure or two? He's like, dude, I want to make every figure you name in this song. <laughs> like over 20 figures. And I was absolutely floored. He crushed it, you know, taking all these G.I. Joe, old G.I. Joe figures and like making, you know, Frankensteining them and building new figures that like look like Joe's, but they're all these new characters and he painted them. And he, uh, you know, I was just telling somebody else about this. He lives in Michigan. And we were shooting the commercial or the video in Toronto and he finished all the figures. I'm like, okay, we're going to shoot the video, you know, in July, the, the, do you want to like FedEx me the toys? And he was like, no, man, I don't, I just worked so hard making all these toys. I'm not, I don't want to put them in the mail. I don't feel I'm going to drive them. <laughs> so he drove the figures across the border just for this video shoot. I was like oh. blown away. And you know, and I was like, yeah. please. And he took them home. I'm like, take them home after the shoot. Keep them safe. Do whatever you want. Sell them, you know, whatever. I don't, you know, keep them. He's got them still. And I actually am going to be chatting with him shortly. But um, that's too cool. Yeah. So he made all the figures for it. And it's super, yeah. super, it, you know, that just brought so much more to the video, having original toys. And then Sandy like had this great idea to cast these kids and like, you know, I don't want to spoil the video for people, but like there's, you know, you know, the future versions of the kids. And, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's too good, man. Future kid. It's yeah. an adult. <laughs> now I got to ask about the mullet. 
Yeah, that's my real spoiling hair. too much, but like, what was that your real like? That was my real hair. Yeah, pandemic hair. I grew. I didn't get a cut for three you... years, and I thought, you know what? Like again, I was like, I can put this to perfect use because when I first came up with the idea for 1984, it seemed like everyone was like, oh, so you're gonna be like a Sergeant Slaughter type guy because Sergeant Slaughter was, you know, the wrestling GI Joe um, spokesperson who would you know who was in all the ads he was in the cartoon so it seemed like oh well he was like the real guy who would be in the commercials so are you just going to be like a parody of sergeant slaughter i'm like no no man it's like it's different than gi joe it's like i don't want to you know i love the sarge and it's not going to be you know i'm not parodying the sarge but i've got this crazy long hair why don't i use it to give myself like a insane 80s mullet with the shaved lines and oh my wife was like what the hell she's like she thought it was hilarious but i was walking around with that thing for like a week (laughs) i'm picking up my kid at daycare with this thing parents are like who is this maniac (laughs) oh that's awesome dude i thought it was i was gonna say like that's a quality wig man like that wasn't moving my real hair that's best use of pandemic hair i could imagine so you know what it is it's a hundred percent the absolute best use of any pandemic hair i could possibly think of (laughs) <laughs> that is so fucking brilliant. Well, kudos to your whole team. And, you know, Thank the you, video man. turned Thank out amazing. You. The song is awesome. Um, you know, I've I've heard a bunch of your music, but I didn't realize you had so much music, man. I'm really excited to get to, like, check out some of the earlier shit if I can Thank find you, it. man. Where's yeah, everything well, available? I like? can hook you up. Well, it is uh, it is on all the streaming services. Uh, you know, Spotify, you can listen on Apple, whatever. I have lots of videos on YouTube. Word Burglar Official is the YouTube channel. Uh, so I have a lot, of, a lot of videos there. But, you know, it's almost like what you're saying about the pumpkins. Like, you know, you know the singles, but... And like a lot of times, like, it's like, I can do like one video per album, but then I've got like 10 other songs on the album. I'm like, no, I want you to hear these songs too. So Uh hopefully if people like the videos, they can go check out, you know, the deeper cuts on the records. Um, But also on Bandcamp, which I love Bandcamp because it's the only music platform where I can like put up stuff for a name your price. So if anyone listening has never heard my music there, I have, I usually keep two or three albums up there for name your price. You can just type in zero and downloads. So I've got like arguably three of my best releases, like the new one spinner rack, which is all comic book and cartoon and action figure themed. You can download that for free at Bandcamp. You can uh, Bergonomic, which is the one with Mocha only on it. You can download it for free. Just type in zero and welcome to Cobra Island, which is an all GI Joe themed album uh, inspired by like the cartoons and the Larry Hama comics. And that's zero. You get all three of those albums for just zero. That's the Um, one I've heard the most of. Dope, man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, if you like it, you know, I have I have CDs and vinyl and stuff as well. And then um but yeah, they're uh wordburglar.bandcamp.com. That will get you to the bandcamp page and then just type in word burglar on Spotify or Apple or anything like that. You can find it. And uh yeah, I play a lot of shows around Toronto and uh, you know, all over the place and fan expo. You know, I usually try and hit at least one or two of the fan expos each year. And um you know, they're usually kind enough to give me a table and uh, I'm working on a comic book as well. So I was about to ask, do you have any, yeah. you got any new books coming? Yeah. yeah. So uh, the last paper route, which is a series I was working on with my buddies, Alex and Dave, that is still very much happening. We've just been on like sort of an extended hiatus. Um, 
but what uh, I've got a, a little graphic novel thing I'm working on um, that we're going to have a Kickstarter for in the spring. I'm really excited about it. I can talk to you a little bit about it now, I guess, and I'll have more info as it to reveal. But uh, I'm doing a graphic novel, which is an adaptation. They're comic book adaptations of my songs. So there are eight to ten page comics that you can read along with the comic and all the the Brilliant. The yeah. lyrics are the comic, and so you listen to the song while while reading the comic. And I've got, like, I'm blown away by the people I've got working on it. Um, Steve McNiven has what done the he's Fuck doing off, the cover. Really? So Steve McNiven is doing the Word Burglar cover, and uh, uh, you know I can talk about the Kickstarter when it's, we're going to launch the Kickstarter, and I believe March is the plan. That's what I'm just I'm really working hard behind the scenes. I've been working on this for actually like. It's been building for a couple of years. Like I've had the idea and like the last year I've just been really bringing it all together. Uh, Jason's involved, Jason Lowe, um, uh, Brenda Hickey, uh, Troy Little, um, Dave Howlett, of course. We do tons of stuff together. Mike Holmes, James White, uh, Kelly Tyndall. There's a a whole bunch. I'm going to start naming people. I'm going to, you know, but just I'm very excited. So the word burglar uh lyrical comic book is uh we're going to be launching on kickstarter in the spring so hopefully people can can hang around and check that out because i'm pretty I excited i fucking that. love that shit man multimedia mixed is so much fun you know i've had a few guests over the years who've who've done some really cool shit that way and you know it's just exciting to me i love when when these things that stand up on their own as incredible mediums can come together and just make it that much more fun because they had it straight back in the day when we had the read-along books you know you'll know it's time to turn the page when you hear r2b <laughs> you know that kind of shit you know i'd love to have something to fucking look at while i'm you know it's i, I can't do like when I was 16 or a teenager, when you could just lie in the middle of your room and put the headphones on and, and listen to an entire album from beginning to end, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, I don't, I think I'm frankly, I'm too old for it now. And you know, my, my brain just doesn't, isn't wired that way anymore, but I could easily sit down and like read books along with songs and shit. I would fucking love to delve into that. So kudos on you, man. Multimedia is fucking super fun. Thank you. It's a way to merge my two loves, right? It seemed like a perfect marriage of both of them. So, hundred yeah. percent. Well, you'll yeah. have to come back when the Kickstarter yeah, is you. on. I'm but other than that, dude, uh, I there's so much more shit that I want to ask you about. But I'm gonna I'm gonna wait till another time. Stuff, so we'll have to do. Yeah, we gotta do yeah, more of these. We'll do and, uh, anytime, man. You are yeah. more than welcome to come back, kids. I apologize for my tongue tiredness tonight. I had a long day of climbing trees at work, and then I got super duper stoned when I got home. So uh, you know, but I hope it was cool for y'all because this was super fucking cool for me uh dude sean it was so cool to get to know you man Man, thank you jay dude you too this is an absolute pleasure man long time coming and uh yeah honestly like i've listened to so many episodes over the years you had just like and i love like the behind the scenes stuff and like digging in and like you know great variety of guests and just great conversation so keep it going here's to another 450 at least greatly greatly fucking appreciated kids you heard uh that band camp um and all streaming places look up the word burglar uh just like it sounds um and please go to youtube immediately immediately go to youtube and look up 1980 
force because it's gonna fucking change your fucking mind that's what's <laughs> gonna fucking do uh yeah again dude thank you so much thank you man kids Jeez. that's all we're gonna have this week on an elegant weapon that it is all right, I'm going to get uh, some lime pop, uh, some bonkers. Oh, some jelly tots. Uh, I want watermelon ring pop and, oh, moon mist ice cream. Yep. Yo, is that a spinner rack? Yo, hold my moon mist. Hidden in the back, it was a trap for any kid who had a bit of cash. Wandering in just to get a snack. Past the Twix and the Snickers and the sticker packs. Beyond the brick of brack there was a spinner rack. Jam-packed full of comics, yeah, it was crack. For any little whippersnap who was into that. Superheroes and the villains all getting smashed. The kind of stuff that your parents ditched in the trash. Infinite stacks, living in a mix and match. Full color, every cover was a different clash. Some would get hacked while others stayed mint intact. Time was limited, you know you had to pick it fast in a flash. Cause the minutes didn't last, dash. Planning every visit to the max with an itch to scratch. Man, I give myself a rash. Anytime a spinner rack was within my grasp. <laughs> 